Hi, this is your host, Nisa Harris, and you are listening to Shomea Ve'ona Tehillim and Other Hebrew Texts Podcast, Episode 157. The following is a recitation of Psalm 142, a.k.a. Perek or Mizmor Kuf Mem Bet. After the recitation, stay tuned to hear more about this Mizmor. Maskil le David, Bihioto Vam Ara Tfila, Koli El Adonai, Ezak, Koli El Adonai, Et Hanan, Eshpoch le Fanav, Sihi. Sarati Lefanav Agid Behit Atef Alai Ruhi Veata Yadata Netivati Beorach Zu Ahalech Tamnu Li Habet Yamin Ure the Ain Li Makir Avad Manos Mimeni Ain Doresh Nanafshi Zaakti Elacha Adonai Amarti Ata Machsi Chalki Be'eretz Hachaim Hakshiva El Minati Ki Daloti Meod Hatsileni Mirod Fai Ki Amtsu Mimeni Hotsia Mi Masker Nafshi Lahodot Et Shemacha B Yachtiru Sadikim Ki Tigmol Alai Psalm 142 is similar to Psalm 57, dealing with an experience while hiding out in a cave, perhaps linked or not, but the introductions of both psalms indicate different intentions. Psalm 57 is a mechtam, which is more of a letter or think of it as like journaling the feelings associated with the event. Whereas here we have a maskil, which we have come to learn as a life lesson or instruction or understanding that the narrator wishes the reader to glean something from for their life. Uh, this is more is added into our prayers in times of crisis, but it's not specifically written into our prayers. 
The expression of prayer here is one not with words, but rather with voice and a cry beyond what words can even express. As we mentioned by episode 57, this is noted to have to deal with the time that David was in one of two caves, either in Shmuel Aleph Parakbet with the cave of Adulam, where he picked up some other rejects from society, known there as people of bitter spirits, Ishmar and Efesh, who join David and become his cohorts. Alternatively, this is Shmuel Aleph Parak Dalid in the cave in Engedi when his father-in-law, King Shaul, was yet again chasing after him to kill him, and David was hiding in the cave, the same one that Shaul didn't know that he was in, and he went, and Shaul had gone in to relieve himself there, and David had the opportunity to kill him, but instead cut the corner of his coat and showed him right after how he could have killed him but does not want to and doesn't understand why Shaul keeps wanting to kill him. It's a very dramatic moment. The narrator is recalling a time of desperation while in this cave, where even potentially with an army of men with him, he feels so alone. And as Pasuk 5 indicates, Ein Doresh Lanafshi, which can simply be translated as, <coughs> pardon me, no one cares about me or us. Or there's no one that is checking in on my well-being, and I have nowhere to go. The Midrash Silcher Tov points out that when David was in this time of vulnerability, the life lesson he learned was that there was no amount of wealth or wisdom or physical strength that could aid him during his plight, and only prayer to God during this time was what could help him. I want to take this maskil, this life lesson, one step further. Rabbi Yaakov Trump notes that the last Pasuk 8 here has the phrase, take me out of the prison of my soul. That psychologically, so many of the crisis as well as the answers are within ourselves. So while the narrator may be talking about a specific incident in the cave, this psalm is known to be the prisoner's mizmor. Because it is, it's for anyone who's feeling stuck, trapped, and alone. Speaking of creating our own prisons of loneliness, a TED Talk in 2012 by psychologist Sherry Turkle highlights how connecting through the use of technology is a detriment to not only what we do, but it's changing who we are, playing a role in our ability, inability, sorry, to be comfortably with others and our own selves. She explains that being alone feels like a problem that needs to be solved. And so they try to solve it from technologies that will give us the illusion of companionship without the demand of friendship. We expect more from technology and less from each other. How, has, how, how have we come to this, she says. Technology appeals to us most when we are most vulnerable. And we are vulnerable. We're lonely, but we're afraid of intimacy. So we connect more and more in sips of texts and emails. But in the process, we set ourselves up to be isolated. You end up feeling isolated if you don't cultivate the capacity for solitude, the ability to separate and to gather yourself, she explains. So in this mismore, the narrator in the depths of his solitude is finding himself 
And that is the place that he is able to reach out to the other. Even in this case, it's not a, it's not a, even if it's not a person, he's able to form real attachments. When we don't have the capacity for solitude, we skip a step. And instead of being comfortable with ourselves, we feel uncomfortable and immediately turn to our technology or even turn to other people in order to feel less anxious or in order to feel alive. But when this happens, we are not even able to appreciate who they are. Turkle says, it's as though we are using them as spare parts to support our fragile sense of self. We slip into thinking that always being connected is going to make us feel less alone, but we are at risk because actually the opposite is, is true. If we're not able to be alone, we are going to be more lonely. And if we don't teach our children to be alone, they are going to know how to be, they're only going to know how to be lonely. The life lesson that I think this is more is teaching is how to be comfortably and healthfully alone instead of numbing it with constant false connections through sips of conversation in technology that may provide a feeling of as much of a hug, but can't replace a real unedited live conversation. The narrator is letting him, themselves stay aware of their loneliness and only then is able to reach out and make a real connection, in this case with God, where they're able to process the internal and external crisis that they are dealing with. I was talking with a friend who is moving soon, and she mentioned how she has been working from home and has just gotten so used to not socializing. And she wonders if that will change when she moves to a new location, or if it'll just stay the same, since it does get lonely. She was looking forward to the possibility of real connections with people, but uh, nervous at the prospect at the same time. This is a good example of where connection is more like a symptom than a cure. It expresses an underlying problem that is subtly rampant in, our, in today's society. This desire to connect with others in a way we can comfortably control with the fear of being ourselves and burdening the messiness that comes with the reality of real relationships. But this Ms. Moore reminds us that if we can begin to be with and connect to and accept the messiness of our own predicaments, that is the first step to be able to start to actually get to allow ourselves to deeply get to know and accept others into our lives. May we be able to learn how to comfortably be with ourselves so that we can have healthy doses of real and sustainable connection. The learning and recitation for this week's Ms. Moore is for the merit that those who don't even know the cause of the depths of their loneliness can gain understanding and start to mend and form healthy attachment styles. that you would like to sponsor or if you have any questions please email me at nursenisa1 n-u-r-s-e-n-i-s-a the number one at gmail.com also don't forget to join the facebook group to be aware of upcoming episodes 
please subscribe and share. Thank you for joining. Thank you.